It's January 23rd, 2019, and welcome to another edition of Bite Marks Cafe, where we serve you the first bite of today's science, technology, and innovation. I'm Bert Lum. First, we'll hear from Alec Wagner about the upcoming Purple Prize kickoff day. Then we'll hear from Nathan Trail and Diana Cooper about the upcoming UAV uh, in Hawaii and, of course, Drone Day at the Capitol. But first off, uh, I want to welcome back to the show Alec Wagner. Man, Alec, you're going to be a you're a regular on this uh, this program here, and uh, you know, of course, we always like to talk about Purple Maya and Purple Prize. And right now, it's coming up to the actual kickoff day. I want to welcome you to the show. Hey, thank you, Bert. And yes, I have been becoming a regular. I think this is the second time just this month that I've been on. Your really? Show. Oh, yeah. okay. Well, we're gonna have to put a name on your chair. Sure, <laughs> Taylor. Now, the reason why I wanted to have you come on because I know before we were talking about the application process and trying to you know get people interested in in actually putting in an application for the purple prize but now the purple prize the kickoff day is actually coming up and you have a pretty neat lineup uh for that saturday i think it's what february february 2nd so yes. tell me about the, the the actual day the event the day Sure. So uh, the kickoff day effectively starts the Purple Prize, which is our our Indigenous Innovation Competition. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really interesting. Yeah, our, our, our lineup is, like you were saying, uh, a, a great lineup. You're on it, um, actually, for our second panel. But we're essentially de- we're sort of demystifying and, and defining the term Indigenous Innovation. And not only are we sort of figuring out, like, what does this term indigenous innovation mean, but we're also trying to figure out what does an economy where indigenous innovation, one that aligns with the values and principles of Hawaii um, and other indigenous peoples, um, and one that gives back to the land and and communities, um, what does that look like in sort of the economic perspective? And and what does that model uh, end up looking like? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So what are you planning to actually bring that out Yep. So we've got in the morning, uh, so the event itself is two parts. So in mm-hmm. the morning, we've got uh, two panel sessions. And the first panel is um, is about sort of that defining indigenous innovation. And the second panel is about figuring out how do we, um, how, how, what, is that, what does that indigenous innovation economy look like? Mm-hmm. We also have a keynote with Senator Jarrett Keohokalole. Mm-hmm. Um, and he'll be opening up, uh, opening up the day. He's the chair of the Senate Committee on Technology. Um, and then the second part of the day, uh, folks get their get the chance to actually see indigenous innovation um, in, in in that's working. So we've got a couple of past Purple Prize teams that will be presenting their uh, local IA based technology solutions. Um, and local IA is like the Hawaiian fish Hawaiian pond. fish pond, yeah. right? In Paipaioha IA, mm-hmm. which is also a, is a fish pond. Um, and so you'll see those in action, but you also have a chance to get your feet wet in the local EA, learning about ancestral technology, which literally local EA is. Getting yes, your feet literally wet. getting your feet wet. Now we've had Brian Glazer on uh, the radio show, and he, you know he's been doing. He's a professor up at UH, and he's been doing a lot of things with sensors. Mm-hmm. And it was really exciting to hear some of the things that he's actually uh, put in place at Paipai Oheia, and the things that he's learned as a result of uh, you know things like. Um, some of the climate change effects and El Nino and and uh, he's actually collected a lot of data that reflects that. And another project that I think came out of Purple Prize was the idea of leveraging machine learning and identifying some of the fish that, that live in the fish pond. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's like, how can you get more, you know, the intersection between traditional and, and modern, you know, in that kind of environment? Exactly. It's It's using 
sort of the tool of technology and leveraging that to to allow native Hawaiian values to sort of come to the forefront mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and to scale them up in today's, in today's you know, contemporary technology sense. Yeah, no, I think it's, uh, it's exciting. Now, in terms of uh, participating in the, in the kickoff, is it just the, the groups that have submitted their application or are you inviting everybody who is interested to potentially participate? Well, we're inviting all of the participants, so you'll have a chance to meet those folks. But then we also have a number of uh, people coming from the East Meets West Conference, mm-hmm. so they're in the business mm-hmm. and the innovation startup community. Um, some people from sort of academia and like the rest of our Purple Prize. I mean, it's it, we don't really look at a particular niche or, or specific industry um, where people come from. We just want sort of everybody in the community to get around uh, this idea and to you know apply themselves in whatever way that they can. Well, that's great timing in terms of, you know, uh, East meets West because East East meets West is like the couple of days right before that. Mm-hmm. So, and I know uh, Shanoa and her team are, are really getting, you know, getting the, the message out there to participate in East meets West. Now, uh, in terms of the amount of applicants you have in the Purple Prize, uh, you said that you had to cut it off at a certain point, right? Yeah. So we were originally planning on cutting off at 60, but there were too many good applicants. Um we had 82 applications. We ended up in. Uh, we ended up having 67 of them uh, come all the way through. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and it, and and the ones that didn't make it in, it wasn't for it wasn't for a reason. They weren't. You know, their applications were great. It was just that the the the, the state that their project was in um, was either you know too the phase was too far along, um, mm-hmm. a little bit later stage, and uh, it, it it wasn't a good fit now. But it will be a good fit in our second phase, the building phase. Can you share just a couple of ideas or or projects that might have been uh, um, suggested? Well, too early? Probably too early, yeah. Too early? Okay. Well, I will definitely be a participant, and I do want to. Uh, well, thanks for you know inviting me to be on a panel. So we'll, we'll talk about that later. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> and we're then, very excited uh, to have you. Uh, so give us the, <clears throat> the location and the, uh, the times again. Sure. So it starts at 8.30 a.m. at Key Project. Uh, that's in Kaneohe. Mm-hmm. And then we move over. We transport the folks who show up at the event to Paipaioheia in the afternoon. Um, okay, so you have, your trans- you have transportation already uh, uh, arranged. Yes, yeah. And that uh, section of the event starts at around 1, and it ends at, I, I believe, about 6.45, sunset. Okay, okay great. And yeah. then uh, uh, we can send people to uh, purpleprize.com. Yeah, you can go to purpleprize.com where we have a uh, a bit.ly address, and that's bit.ly slash day. Okay. So you can visit that to, to RSVP and learn more about the event. Well, definitely I'll put that up on a show notes for later on this evening. And I want to thank you, Alex, for joining us. Thank you, Bert. And, of course, we'll take a short break. And when we return, we'll be joined by Nathan Trail and Diana Cooper. We'll learn about Hawaii's UAV initiative and the upcoming drone day over at the Capitol. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors Ekahi Ornish Lifestyle Medicine, Ulupono Initiative, and Impact Hub Honolulu Co-working. I think This American Life is by far my favorite program. Almost every time I hear it, I'm emotionally hooked on a deep level, and it helps me appreciate people's stories and helps me actually listen for other people's stories. We often get wrapped up in our own world and we stop listening, and This American Life kind of helps me stop and listen. Member-supported Hawaii 
Public Radio. Radio with vision. Listen and see. Welcome back to Bike Marks Cafe. Now joining us in the studio, Nathan Trail and Diana Cooper. Nathan is the Senior Manager, Technology Policy for the Consumer Technology Association. And Diana is the Senior VP of Policy and Strategy over at Precision Hawk. Welcome to Bite Marks Cafe. Thanks for having Thank us. It's for great us. to be here. Now, I, I first want to uh, give you a chance to talk about your uh, respective organizations, just to kind of give our listeners a, a perspective of, of where you're coming from and, and, and why are you here in Hawaii to help kind of promote the, the uh, drone activity. So, uh, Nathan, you want to start off with uh, what's a Consumer Technology Association? Sure. CTA is a trade association that represents the consumer technology industry. We have about 2,200 member companies, um, 80% of which are small businesses and startups, and the rest are some of the world's best-known brands. What we're here in Hawaii for is to showcase the benefits of drone technology to the state of Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of our members is Precision Hawk, and they're here to do that as well. So I'll let Diana talk about that. Diana, Precision Hawk, that's a pretty cool name. Thank you. Um, so Precision Hawk is a drone company. We've been around for about eight years. Uh, we build uh, hardware, software, as well as services for a variety of industries, including agriculture, insurance, construction, and energy. And we actually have an Uber-like platform called Droners, where you can hire drone pilots in your local community on demand and get them to do things like roof inspections in your neighborhood. And we've already got about 55 drone pilots in Hawaii. Mm -hmm. How did you go about signing these folks up? So they sign up on the website on Droners.io. So there's like a network of folks that know of some of these uh, opportunities to sign up for a clearinghouse. Exactly. Yeah. So they're all, we vet them all. They're all Part 107 uh, certified mm-hmm, FAA mm-hmm. pilots. They list their qualifications, some of their experience, customer referrals, and things like that. Oh, great. So I, I do want to kind of get into the um, what actually brings you out here. And, and is there, I mean, we've had uh, a number of folks. I mean, everybody knows uh, T- Ted Ralston, and we've had him on talking about drones and some of the different uh, activities that he's been involved in. But uh, I know this is the start of the legislative session, and, and this is kind of an educational process, but are there some initiatives going on in Hawaii that really need to be brought to the forefront? Are we able to be at a cutting edge in, in this sort of drone activity? Absolutely. Hawaii is really positioned to be the cutting edge place for drone activity. I mean, the, really, Hawaii is the best place that um, for the diverse use cases of drones from ecological surveying, search and rescue, recreation, agriculture is a huge use case. Really, all the great innovative uh, aspects of drone technology can be really utilized to the max here in Hawaii. Um, that being said, Hawaii has introduced more drone-specific bills than any other state. Um, in oh, the, is that right? I mean, yeah. <clears throat> what is it that the... Why is it that we're so active in submitting so many bills? I'm not 100% sure on that. But <laughs> I, I do know that there's been 29 in the past three years. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they're, they're well-intentioned. I think that, that legislators are really um, looking to promote safety and the safe operation of drones, and industry is doing the same thing. So the reason that we're here is to kind of bridge the gap between industry and government and to find a way that we can work together to promote that. Um, as I said, the, the bills that we've seen introduced are well-intentioned, but often they'll overlap with federal regulations. They kind of uh, go against a lot of the work that's being done at the federal level, and sometimes they even overlap with current state laws concerning, say, privacy and mm-hmm, trespassing, mm-hmm. legitimate 
legitimate concerns, but that are already taken care of under current law. So there will be these new bills that come out, which, uh, like I said, not only overlap, but they do create confusion for legitimate drone operators. So if you're a legitimate drone operator, it can be very difficult to know exactly what the rules are in that kind of environment. So we're doing this drone demo event at the Capitol tomorrow to kind of bridge the gap. We're bringing uh, companies from uh, the mainland as well as several companies and organizations here in Hawaii. Mm -hmm. They're using drones for some really innovative um, ways to make life better, uh, for search and rescue, to promote the economy, to promote ag, really every aspect. So it's going to be really exciting, and we're going to showcase that in front of the legislators here in Hawaii. Well, you know, uh, <clears throat> Diana, we've been following the the drone activity from a, from a consumer standpoint, and in terms of uh, access to the you know the actual like a, a DJI and all the different kind of drones that that uh, are now available. I mean, it, it went from perhaps maybe five years ago where people could just buy them and fly them wherever they want. I mean, there was some understanding that you had to be you limited to about I think it was three hundred feet, and and but then in terms of like what areas could they fly it in or what areas were, were prohibited. Uh, now there's there's much more um, specificity in what can or cannot be done. And I think it was just a matter of uh, the last couple of years where the uh, F, F, I guess it's FAA required people to register their drones and actually go through a level of, of education and training and certification. Absolutely. So really the, the first set of commercial and the framework for recreational operators really only popped up over the last couple of years. So mm -hmm. August 2016, we got the first commercial rule known as Part 107 in place. Uh, we've also had great activity on the industry side in terms of working with the FA on issues like remote identification, which is sort of an electronic license plate for drone operations. Um, our company has actually partnered with DJI, which is the largest manufacturer for consumer and commercial drones, on some safety initiatives that help people understand uh, where not to fly, like areas like prisons, um, nuclear power plants, airports. as well as airports. That's right. Hot one in the news lately. Yes, yes. So in, in terms of, I mean, there was a point also where uh, commercial activity uh, with drones was, was prohibited. That's right. Yeah, and, and, and so has that has that changed? Has yeah, absolutely. So things have really opened up since 2016 when we got the Part 107 rule in place. Before that, it was very cumbersome. You had to apply for an exemption. It was a very lengthy process. You had to have a manned aircraft pilot license, which is very expensive, mm -hmm. cost prohibitive. Um, today, you can do a simple knowledge test and fly under the recreational or the um, or the commercial rules, and that's really opened up a lot of applications for different industries. Was it, uh, you know, when it was prohibitive to do commercial use, was it because it was treated as a, as a hobby and, and because of the classification uh, it, it prohibited commercial? Or was it the rationale that if it, it was made available as commercial, there would be a deluge of activity to actually now make money flying drones? So, so drones were, uh, were defined as aircraft, and so they fell under the traditional aircraft rules. And of course, you know, there are certain requirements for operating traditional aircraft, you know, having certain training hours, having manuals on board the plane. So all of those rules needed to be rewritten to make sense for this new class of aircraft. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and uh, has, uh, in terms of the commercial use in Hawaii, do you, have you seen that? As you know, as has it grown? I mean, what's the what's the opportunity there for uh, businesses to make money? 
in, the, in this sector. The opportunity is huge for Hawaii, and we're already starting to see some applications with um, coffee companies starting to use uh, drone technologies. There's going to be one uh, demoing uh, on the legislative day tomorrow. We're also seeing a lot of tourism companies starting to use the technology, as well as news media, entertainment, um, agriculture applications. Insurance is a great one. Our company's done a lot of work um, helping process claims faster after natural disasters, mm-hmm. help people get back into their homes and get a remedy. Mm-hmm. And uh, Nathan, I mean, ter- I know you brought up uh, the idea of, of, of privacy, and there's always the uh, sort of the the I don't know whether it's the creep factor or the the scare tactic sure. of 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 people flying drones next to high rises and and uh, taking video of you know uh, apartments along the way. Sure. What are what are you? Um, oh, is there is there legislation to to prevent that, or is there existing legislation that already sure. prevents stuff like that? Yes, there's there's certainly existing law uh, that prevents uh, you know someone flying a drone along a high rise and spying on somebody. Just like it's currently illegal for me to go outside of someone's house and spy on them, whether I'm using my own eyes, binoculars, or a drone or any device, the act itself is illegal. So mm-hmm, regardless of what mm-hmm. piece of technology you use. It's, it's illegal. And we see this often in emerging technology. Um, and if you create a new bill or a new piece of legislation, every time there's um, a new piece of technology that comes out, you're going to be forever legislating. Mm-hmm. A, a good example I like to use, do you remember when uh, cameras first started appearing on cell phones mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and what a huge issue that was? People were concerned about, you know, these shouldn't be, you shouldn't bring your phone into a public restroom or a locker room if your camera has, if your cell phone has a camera on it. And there was actually bills introduced that said, hey, if you have a camera on your cell phone, you're not allowed into a locker room. It's, it's ridiculous now, right? Most people wouldn't do that. It, of course, is illegal to take a picture of someone who has a reasonable expectation of privacy. And those laws now kind of seem silly. But at the time, because it was an emerging piece of technology, it was on the forefront of everybody's mind. And I think that we run into that case now with drones. It's such a new piece of technology. And there's so many amazing utilities for it, but people have a knee-jerk reaction to legislate whenever there's a new piece of technology. No, I, I definitely uh, remember a lot of that in, in terms of, uh, you know, whether it's the uh, camera on the phone or, or when uh, Google Glass first came out and, sure. and people were wearing that all over the place. And, 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 you know, there was a lot of criticism about whether you could wear the Google Glass in a restaurant or even into the into the restroom. Right. Uh, I, I do want to ask you about some of the um, actual initiatives and, and pilots that are going on in Hawaii, because I know Hawaii has been uh, part of a, a multi-state kind of a test um, field for, for drones. But uh, I want to hold that thought. Mm-hmm. We will come back to that. We'll be back after this short break to continue our conversation with both Nathan Trail and Diana Cooper about uh, developing policies for drone operations. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors Wealth Jar and Locations. Welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum, and of course, if you're just joining us, we're talking to Nathan Trail and Diana Cooper, and we're talking about the future of UAVs, the unmanned aerial vehicles, and drone operations in Hawaii. And of course, right before the break, uh, you know, we were talking about some of the uh, initiatives that were going on in, in Hawaii. I mean, and, and Nathan, I mean, are there are there some um, activities that that uh, put Hawaii sort of at the forefront? Are there are there some pilots going on here? Or I mean, 
what do you what do you know about any sort of initiatives happening in Hawaii? Right. There's certainly an, a lot of initiatives going on right now in Hawaii that are really looking to embrace the technology. Um, I know that it's it's being widely used for search and rescue. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually really incredible. After the, the volcano eruption, there was live save uh, because of the use of drone technology. And we see that a lot of times, especially now after natural disasters, drones can be deployed so much quicker than traditional search and rescue methods. You think about how long it takes to deploy if someone were to be lost after a natural disaster, how long it takes to deploy a helicopter or traditional manned search and rescue team, and how short of a time it takes to send a drone up with an infrared camera to help find someone. I mean, that that time saved can save So in the example of, let's say, Flooding that might have occurred on on Kauai or the the, the lava that was happening mm-hmm. on the Big Island. Uh, obviously, both cases there is a, a need for the assessment of disasters and a disaster recovery period. Uh, what, what I'm interested in is is if the current uh, whether it's um, first responders or civil defense. I mean, where would the where would the call to bring in sort of the the drone technology come in? Would it be their own services that they have in-house that would now get deployed, or do they now activate perhaps the, the, the people that are available on, on your service for from uh, Precision Hawk? I mean, where, where do the drones come in to actually affect or, or uh, add to the recovery process? Right. Well, I think it's twofold. I, I think the goal is for these uh, these devices and this technology to be integrated into our current search and rescue departments, um, fire department, and so forth. But it, what's interesting, after Hurricane Harvey, the the drone community, the recreational community, was deployed and was used to help find people who were lost. Volunteers, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I got special exemptions and were used to help find people who were lost and stranded on the rooftop. So it's kind of twofold, but I think the goal is is certainly to have um, this technology integrated into our first responders' um, tool, toolkit. Now, you know, in terms of uh, integrating it into their toolkit, I mean, where where is Hawaii? Where, you know, like we have the Department of uh, Emergency Management over the city and county. We have the Hawaii Emergency Management at the state level. In terms of, uh, of their protocols and policies, where do drones sort of fit in? you have a, a sense of that? I, I think several departments, including the ones that you mentioned, are starting to look at drones and other emerging technologies. Of course, drones played such a huge part in um, hurricanes, Matthew, Michael, and Florence, that we've seen in other states. Um, what we need to move forward now is figure out you know, how private sector, recreational operators, and government agencies can work together and have a streamlined um, process for dealing with emergencies as they pop up mm-hmm. using technologies like drones. In terms of the, the day at the Capitol, I mean, what would you consider to be success when educating the people that attend? I mean, how will you interact with them and how do you feel you could get the message across to them? I think we're going to spend some time just talking about all the positive applications that drones are having in the local community, as well as the economic development opportunities. And if people walk away with a good sense of, you know, what drones can offer to Hawaii, um, then that'll be a successful day for us. Absolutely. I, I completely agree. You know, the whole goal is to, as I said earlier, bridge that gap between the legislature and, and the companies and the organizations that are using this drone technology. So we can get a good dialogue 
going about the people who are looking to implement laws and, and who are responsible for that and the people who are really at the cutting edge of this technology mm-hmm. and who are at the cutting edge of the uses of this technology and the, all the benefits <clears throat> that it can offer the state of Hawaii, I think that would be a successful event. So some of the people that are actually attending the event tomorrow, uh, and, and you had a you had a pretty nice long list of them. I mean, and some of them are, are local, right? I mean, sure. so there's everything from the folks that, that uh, train in this area mm-hmm. and, and actual departments that, that use drones. Sure. So the, the Hawaii Fire Department will be there, mm-hmm. the University of Hawaii, Department of Business and Economic Development, Department of Land and Natural Resources, um, the State of Hawaii Office of Aerospace Development, SANS International uh, Land and Resources, Kamehameha Schools, just to name a few, mm-hmm. Kauai Coffee as well. And, of course, we'll have uh, two CTA members, Precision Hawk and DJI, in attendance. Are are um, are you folks the only ones from the mainland that have come over, or and and everybody else is sort of the local the local community of of drone uh, enthusiasts or departments that are actually very interested in in using drones. So it's a, it's mostly a combination of all of those three. Right. So the only two mainland companies would be DJI and Precision Hawk. Um, and that and that's great because the like I said the goal of this is to showcase the benefits of drone technology in the state of Hawaii and what mm-hmm. better way than to showcase how it's already being used and the plans that these departments and that these uh, organizations have for drones for the future and the need for innovation friendly legislation so that these these goals can thrive the these um, technological achievements can be made now I know you mentioned that the Hawaii is probably one of the states that introduced the most uh, amount of of uh, drone legislation and and oftentimes it is probably more in the area of of preventing the use of drones as opposed to promoting the use of drones uh what would you consider to be sort of good legislation that might uh, might be introduced well one good legislative measure is uh, a preemptive measure so i i think i touched on it earlier a tangled web of regulations and how dangerous that can be and difficult for uh, drone operators. So we've seen this in other states where Mm -hmm. uh, different localities or cities can have their own uh, regulations and laws about the operational restrictions uh, for drones. Um, Again, well-intentioned, but what happens is if you have a state with different cities Mm -hmm. and counties that Mm -hmm. have different, you know, altitudes and places that drones can fly, it can make it impossible for commercial or recreational users to know how to safely operate. Mm-hmm. So one good legislative measure um, our lawmakers can do is to adopt uh, local preemption uh, to say that lo- localities can't enact their own drone ordinances uh, regarding operation. Do you see a, <clears throat> a day when there will be the ability to actually track where all the drones might be potentially flying in the air in real time? Absolutely. Um we don't necessarily want to go down that path and be able to actually track because we need to be mindful of, you know, big government and sort of, you know, big brother. So we need to be mindful of the privacy of the drone operators themselves. Um, but one initiative that we worked on w- with the FAA was the uh, Remote Identification Rulemaking Committee. And so we're waiting for a rule to come out, which is going to require uh, most operators in airspace to actually have an electronic license plate and that's going to solve a lot of the local concerns and allow local governments to enforce local laws in place. Because one of the big problems right now is you see a drone operating somewhere where it shouldn't be, but you don't know who that drone operator is, and you can't go after them and enforce the local laws. Mm-hmm, so once mm-hmm. we have this in place, we'll solve a lot of those problems and not need these new legislation. So real quickly, in the last couple of 30 seconds that we have, uh, where can people find out more about the Precision Hawk? 
precisionhawk.com and droners.io. And uh, Nathan, what C- about CTA.tech? And of course, uh, do you want to share about the uh, you know the drone day at the Capitol? Sure, the drone day at the Capitol will be uh, tomorrow from 10:30 a.m. to 1 p.m. So anybody interested that uh, might be uh, wanting to learn perhaps about uh, some of policies and and uh, drone activity in Hawaii, they can come on down to the uh, Capitol and check it out. Well, thanks. Well, Nathan Trail is with the Consumer Technology Association, and Diana Cooper is the Senior Vice President of Policy over at Precision Talk. I want to thank you both for joining us today. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you for having us. And I want to thank you for listening to Bite Marks Cafe. Join us next week when we will talk about the Sustainability Mobility Lab. If you missed any part of this edition, you can find the podcast of tonight's show on bitemarkscafe.org. And if you have any comments or suggestions, feel free to email me at bitemarks at gmail.com. You can also find me on Twitter. I'm at bitemarks. Our engineer is David Chong. And you can catch us on HPR1 every Wednesday or anytime on the HPR app, iTunes, and Stitcher. You stay awesome, and we will see you next week on another edition of Bite Marks Cafe.